Hi, I'm Tim Hernandez. Welcome to another edition of Words on a Wire. Today's guest is Adolfo Guzman Lopez of the 90s spoken word and jazz ensemble Taco Shop Poets based out of San Diego. Uh, Adolfo is also a very longtime friend of mine, and I'm looking forward to having him uh, on our show. We've had many conversations over the years in different spaces, but never have we done a radio interview. Um, he's been doing a lot of writing and just a lot of fantastic reporting based out of Southern California there. And, well, we're just going to catch up with him to see what he's been up to. That's coming up right now on Words on a Wire. Adolfo Guzman Lopez is a poet and journalist and co-founder of the Taco Shop Poets in 1994. Since 2000, he's been a reporter at NPR affiliate KPCC 89.3 FM in Los Angeles. He's been awarded the LA Press Club's Radio Journalist of the Year and other honors. His radio and print stories have appeared in the Chicago Tribune, the Washington Post, NPR, Marketplace, and many, many others. He was born in Mexico City, grew up in Tijuana and San Diego, and he lives in Long Beach today. Adolfo Guzman Lopez, welcome to Words on a Wire, my brother. It is my honor and pleasure to join you in this space. <laughs> I know, man, as we were saying a little earlier, you know, I think the last time, I'm sure the last time I, I was in the same space was you, with you was when you came to El Paso, you're working on some project because you're also, a, on top of being a wonderful poet, you're also a, a reporter journalist, so you were out here in the frontera doing some work, what were you, what, what was going on back then, what, what brought you here? Yeah, so that, so that, let's see, when, well, it was, it was before 2020. Um, so I, it was yeah. either two, 2018, 2019. So, right, yeah. um, and I was interviewing the poet Dolores Dorantes, who has an amazing story. So she mm -hmm. lived, uh, grew up, um, lived most of her life in Ciudad Juarez, yeah. uh, was a journalist and, uh, and an advocate for women's issues. So right, um, right. apart from the poetry right. she was doing, she was writing these really, um, hard-biting columns against the war on drugs in Mexico at the same time that she was she was on the ground talking uh, to women <clears throat> in the jails in different situations and getting information about you know the disappearances the femicides yeah, you know right, right. and that sort of thing so I was, I was there talking to her and I, and I had the pleasure of um, going to Ciudad Juarez with um, one of her dear friends, Manuel Portillo, and he took me on a tour wow. of, of Dolores Dorantes's Ciudad Juarez, which was wow. really, really interesting. So um, yeah, yeah, I had the pleasure of doing that. Yeah, I know. And I'm always catching you at different spaces, you know, involved in different, you know, over the many years, you've had your hands in so many projects, organizer, uh, again, like I said, journalist, reporter, radio personality over there in, in Southern California. And, and but, you know, I, I have to take it back for a moment because, the way that I was first introduced, let me take you back actually for a little moment here, my brother. <laughs> Listen, I was, this is like circa 1995, 96, somewhere around there. I'm, you know, I'm living in my parents' house still, uh, miserable, trying to escape uh, the central San Joaquin Valley, thinking uh, one day I want to be a writer. And I'm looking, flipping through the TV channels, and all of a sudden, and because my parents had HBO at the time, I flick on HBO and I see this beautiful uh, documentary uh, called Americanos. And all of a sudden, man, 
these poets leapt out at me from from beyond the screen and I was like what what are these guys doing and where are they and you were one of them and uh, the group I would learn and by watching that program was called the taco shop poets and you guys were reading poetry in like food spaces. This is before the foodie culture was hip, before taquerias were hip, before tacos were the thing. Uh, you know, you guys were in these taco shops reading to people as they were literally just like sort of incidental audience <laughs> they were just, or accidental audience. They were just there going like, what? And then you guys were just reading a poetry. So that was my first introduction to who you were because, uh, you know, they said your name and you were a poet first. That's how I knew you. Tell me about that time. 1994, my brother, wow. 1994, wow. that was the key year. Uh, I had graduated from UCSD the, uh, the year before. Mm -hmm. 1994 was the year of Prop 187 that yeah. tried to take away basic human rights from, um, uh, from migrants, from people moving across borders that were political mm -hmm. borders. 1994 uh, was the year of Pete Wilson and his uh, demagoguery. Uh, 1994 was also the tail, the tail end of a group called the Border Arts Workshop in San Diego, Tijuana, that was very influential mm -hmm. on me and my group of, of, of friends. This was a group right. that took the border as a as a sort of canvas and tableau right. um, for art and performance right. and yeah so I was working at uh, the Chicano Center at um, in San Diego the Centro Cultural de la Raza with long history of activism there and um, you know I, I had a lowly position but I proposed a, a reading series yeah. um, in taco shops and uh, the, the performance arts curator said yeah let's do it so we did a series of readings saying that the taco shops have culture in and of themselves. Mm, yeah. We're going to honor that. We're going to take our poets there and mix these audiences, the people right. who are going there to eat and us with our poetry. <laughs> That's incredible. So, okay. So uh, tell me about who was in the group, uh, the taco shop poets, who were the members? Oh my gosh. In the beginning. Well, okay. So, so in the beginning it was, it was August of 94. Uh, I, I believe it was either Fridays or Saturday. So they were four readings and they, the member, the, the performers did not overlap very much. So there were, there were different performers. I performed Adriana Arancibia, mm. uh, the Chilean Chicano poet, uh, Miguel Angel Soria, who yeah. grew up in, in Tijuana and San Diego, Tomas Riley, mm. um, but also other people who were older than us in their 40s uh, and even younger than us who were still in high school. Wow. And, and I'm, I was thinking about this. I was thinking every one of us were, we were people of color. We were all mm -hmm. of different, you know, in different parts of that rainbow. Right? right. So there were there were Chicanos. There were, uh, you know, people who grew up in in Mexico. There were African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and uh, people and Lat Latinos, if you, you want to use that word, who whose whose grandparents or great grandparents have migrated to the United States. Wow. So it, wow. so this, this was it was a circus. Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But it looked like a very tightly knit, cohesive circus. It looked like you guys had your thing down, you know. Um, well, I'm talking specifically when I saw that HBO special and you guys came out in that. But then uh, as time went on, I would, you know, 
interact with you. I would meet up with you all in different spaces in the Bay Area. Uh, and then later on, um, well, let me just stop there. In the Bay Area, I remember seeing you guys perform in San Jose at a Floricanto there put on by Mark Binate and Makla at the time. And to see you guys live was a whole other thing because very performative and at the same time, very literary. Uh, you guys had jazz, uh, collaborated with fantastic, I remember jazz musicians, a bassist that you guys had that was like incredible. And, you know, so there was a lot of that kind of collaboration. But again, you guys are very uh, cohesive, uh, just a unit, a performance unit, you know. Uh, it wasn't, as you said, it didn't, at least in my mind, it didn't seem as a, as a it didn't look like a circus. It was very tight. And then you guys went on to perform in various spaces across the country, right? Yeah, that's right. One of the things we tapped into, well, that I tapped into in the beginning was this combination, um, this intersection or the collaboration between music and the spoken word, right? So mm -hmm. let's go back to 1994, right? You, you had the spoken word scene in the United States really building up. Um, yeah. You know, there were centers of it, Chicago, New York, um, the yeah. New York and Poets Cafe, mm -hmm. you know, readings in bars, deaf poetry jam. But, yeah. but for us in San Diego and Tijuana, we the 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 that kind of setting of either the bar or the cafe espressos and cappuccinos was not our 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 scene, our our yeah. thing. We read, we had read in those spaces, but right. you know, so we so we thought to ourselves, well, what 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 space is our space? Well, it's the taco shop, right? <laughs> I, and, and, and at the time, right. I was very influenced by uh, a New Yorker poet who's living in San Diego for a while, Papoleto Melendez, mm. and he collaborated with um, with Eugene Mingus, one of the sons of uh, mm. uh, of the great bass player, and Charles also a uh, yeah yeah, and and then a, a, another uh, bass player, and then a bass player Machaca Uba. So I saw him before mm. uh, I organized this series, and I saw that, and I thought. I want to do that. Wow, man, that's really cool. Cool. So, so yeah. So it was rehearsals. It was performances. I yeah. think once we tapped into, and you know this, Tim. Once you tap into the power of the collective voice, there's something really ancestral there. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, you know what? I think now would be a good time to. Uh, do you have a poem that that you would be willing to share with us? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wonderful. Please do. That way our listeners out there can get a little taste of which what you got. So 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 this is a this is this goes back to uh 1992 before Taco Shop Poets and mm. Taco Shop Poetry. Nice. This goes back to the Rodney King uh verdicts wow. Wow. and you know seeing you know the anger and right. seeing you know the manifestation of social inequality and legal inequality on our TV screens and right. and and uh, seeing it me in San Diego at UCSD and I was living right. at home at the time in National City. So this 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 poem is called The Capital of Aslan Burns. Mm -hmm. In Patria Chica, San Diego, the llantos of Rolando Rey reach me at the speed of sound, batter my swollen eyes, electrocute repeatedly. Los cotorros de la televisión plead for reservists to report to stations. Guerra's voice oscillates. Fear, desperation, terror, instinctive protection. Acorralados como bestias. Palmeras brought for 1932 Olympics. Sunglasses melt. Palm trees burn. 
sol, arena, sangre, seeping out of the streets of fantastic Los Angeles Titlan, lined with flaming heretic palms, a pastel light of vice, velas de luto around el féretro Los Angelino. Hmm. And if you're just tuning in with us, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and we are in conversation today with the poet and journalist based in uh, Long Beach, California, Adolfo Guzman Lopez. We're talking about, uh, well, about his poetry, what he's up to, and also his days with the taco shop poets. Uh, wonderful poem, Adolfo. And, you know, thank you for sharing uh, with us one of the oldie but goodies, no? <laughs> As we Gracias. Say. <laughs> um, you know, and then also I remember, um, I'm going to say early 2000s, uh, you and I started to kind of stay in contact a little bit. In early 2000s, you started to organize this fantastic series called The Spine of Califas, which gathered, uh, you know, it's, well, you could probably explain it better. Why don't you tell us a little <laughs> bit about, about what that uh, vision was? No, thanks, Tim. Um, so, so yeah. The, uh, so, in two thousand, um, I got a job at a at an upstart um, radio station in LA, uh, KPCC, which had just changed formats and had um, uh, Minnesota Public Radio had come in to manage it and, and had all kinds of plans to grow it. And now it's you know twenty one years later, it's wow. it's it, they've definitely fulfilled some of those expectations. It's a very big station. It's the NPR affiliate, and I've been fortunate yeah. enough to to be there as a reporter for in October of this year. It's going to be twenty one years. Man. What already? No, you just became a reporter there yesterday. I remember that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Well, that I, it's crazy. A, it's a blessing. I'll, I'll stop here and say it's a blessing to be able to have a conversation with you about things 10, 20, 25 years ago and yeah. and be able to look back and you know look back in order to inspire not only myself but other people absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely so then after that then after the your days there in san diego and working with the taco shop poets um i mean the group i guess it, it sort of dissolved and then you ended up going to los angeles that's and working as a reporter there that was what happened yeah that's right so one of a right? one of the mem members so so from that kind of carnival circus uh mm -hmm. taco shop poetry touring group which ended up going to many different places around the country we uh, we became kind of a, a four member two musician group mm -hmm. um and then by the by the the by 99 2000 2000 i left san diego then thomas riley left um mm -hmm. and yeah so so we all kind of you know did different things Right. And then, yeah, in LA, I still, I still had that that urge to perform and tap into that collective voice. And and the concept behind Spine of Califas was to take a tour in one reading, take a tour up and down the state of California. And right. and and uh, you know, I don't really recruit. You know, you brought so much to the performances that we did because you brought the central valley san joaquin valley sensitivity that that is is just so important and that often is um is missed when we talk about california sure. and then and then i invited uh poets from the bay area poets from la and even san diego and and it was kind of like a i tried as much as possible to as the host of the each night to to you know almost like envision a, a road trip and then right. we we stop you know yeah. and then and then we hear you know uh tim z and then we uh, go up north and, and and listen to you know somebody else yeah 
That's right. Yeah, it was. A, I just remember it was really an incredible, um, <clears throat> really again a cohesive performance. It wasn't like a reading in that you know you would just have various poets come up and do a reading, you know, introduce them. It was really much more like a, a, a performance, you know, a staged performance. Uh, I was really happy to be a part of that. But I was, what, to me at the time, it felt uh, groundbreaking because of, the, because of what you just said right now, that it was an opportunity for us to get a glimpse of these different communities and, and their own concerns and their own interests and their own struggles throughout the state of California by way of the poets who live there, you know, and there was no nothing else, at least to my knowledge at that time that was doing that. Um, and we even performed, man, you even had us at the Getty Center in LA. I don't know how you got us that, bro, but I was grateful. Even the guy at the, when I showed up at the, at the gate to, to let me in security and let me in, he was like, I was looking at my junky little car and he was like, <laughs> Who let you in here? How'd you get in here? I was like, hey, bro, I don't know, but let open the gates. I belong here. <laughs> I'm the artist. I'm the artist, man. Of course. Well, and Tim, you're reminding me that for that for that performance at the Getty, I believe it was a Friday, and I believe it was raining. That's right. <laughs> and we filled the uh, Harold Williams Auditorium there at the Getty. The, one of the key components of that, once again, and I learned my lesson with Taco Shop Poetry, was the music. And I was fortunate when I came up to LA, I, I had already befriended uh, Jesus Velo, one of the uh, members of this groundbreaking group, Los Illegals, right. you know, from the late, uh, early 80s, uh, this East LA punk band and Willie Heron, the right, keyboardist right. and artist. Um, and, and, you know, Willie is just so talented in many different ways. We can, we can you know, talk right. at length about him. Of course. And, and the music was key. The key, yeah. the music, you know, formed the connective tissue yeah. and the, the the foundation and then we as as performers came in and told our stories yeah all right on that note why don't you share another poem with us well well this one let me give just a little bit of context yeah. for this one um so i grew up i was born in mexico city and i grew up in tijuana and san diego in the in the 1970s and 80s and and you know the region was going through just like it is now, was going through a lot of change changes, and so this poem is is about some of those changes and what I was seeing. And I'm I'm, I'm going to read just just part of it. Um, but but like you, like you, it's a it's it's a it's a piece of writing that's about place. Mm -hmm. I know place is very important to you, mm -hmm. and and it's not place is not very important to all poets, no, right? right. Uh, you know, quite a few writers, and 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 rightfully so, focus on larger issues, and and but but to me, those larger issues are illustrated by me telling the story of a place and the people. Nice. So so this is this is called the Taco Shop Canto for Wartown San Diego. Land grants no more, Boomtown no more, the war is no more, San Diego War City no more. There's no need for the Great Wall of Factories from Pacific Highway to Kearney Mesa, General Dynamics, Solar Turbines, Jet Hangers, Recruitment Depots. We'll all become artist lofts. We'll all become free clinics or maquiladoras. Do you remember the stick floor nudie bars on Broadway with their 18-year-old strippers masquerading as worldwide has-been hookers? They entertain syphilis swabbies masquerading as 18-year-old sharks ready to bite with their baby teeth. Now, Emerald Shapery, the Oz-like beacon for new industry has Godzilla stomped the strip bars into the underground. Now, Navy Town grunge oozes from sidewalk cracks 
onto marble floored lobbies, grabbing the tourists by their ankles, dragging them into the groundwaters of free speech and wobbly water cannon tolerance. <clears throat> and if you're just tuning in with us, you're listening to Words on a Wire, and that is the voice of poet, uh, journalist, and founding member of the uh, of the now dissolved but taco shop poet spoken word group of the 90s, Adolfo Guzman Lopez, reading from some of his, well, reading us, sharing with us some of his poetry. Adolfo, um, you know, I now in the last, I want to say in the last, you've been, you've been working as a journalist for 20 years. But I want to say that in the last maybe 10 years is when I've become really aware of how far reaching your journalism has come, you know, um, I want to say, and, and this is just as looking at it as an outsider, uh, you know, that I felt like initially a lot of your journalism was very uh, well was very uh, Los Angeles centric. And now more recently, or like I said, in the last 10 years, I really, I, I hear your name everywhere. Now I see your, I see your stories everywhere now. Wow. And um, I'm not even responsible for, well, I guess I am responsible, but thank you. Yes. I, I mean, I, I will be driving somewhere and all of a sudden Adolfo Guzman Lopez. And I'm just like, yes. And I, wow. I turn up the volume and I listen to what you got going on. One of the things more recently, um, and it was kind of a scare actually is I know you were covering the, uh, I think if I'm correct, must, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the black lives matter protest in Los Angeles. And, in those um, in that bit of um, chaos, there you were actually hit with a rubber bullet in the neck. Uh, how did that experience uh, affect you? Yeah, so that was uh, so that was last year. It was right. uh, May right. May thirty first, twenty twenty, and uh, I, it was a Sunday. So I got I got an assignment to go cover the uh, George Floyd protests in right. Long Beach. I live in Long Beach, so um, my editor called me, and and yeah, I, it was my son's birthday, so I was actually oh, hanging out in the park. He was wow. turning, um, was he turning 17? I think he was, I was, I think he was turning 17. And so we were kind of watching, my wife and I were watching from afar because, you know, a teenager yeah. doesn't want their parents close by. Of course. And so I got, and so I got the call and I said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be down there. I was supposed to start around four or five o'clock. And so, um, you know, this is national, right? There mm -hmm. George Floyd protests around the country. Mm -hmm. I've covered protests quite a bit in Los right. Angeles, different kinds right. of protests, uh, protests against uh, police brutality, labor protest, mm -hmm. um, the student walkouts of, let me see if I've got the date right, right around 2006, I mm -hmm. covered quite a bit. Uh, right. Those were big in, in the Los Angeles area. So I, I've been used to the, that kind of dynamic, but, but, but this was very different. Um, so right. I arrived in downtown Long Beach and, uh, you know, my, 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 my process is, uh, you know, I get there and I check in with my editor. I was supposed to do a couple of live hits. Right. So I, I watched as much as possible and talked to some people about why they were there. And then I think I called in two, um, two live reports on the phone and they put, they put them on air right away. Um, and then uh, I went to interview uh, a man who was uh, taking a knee with, uh, at the intersection. And just as I was finishing the interview and taking his name down, I heard a pop from a distance to my left, and I felt an impact at the bottom of my, of my throat. And, um, uh, and uh, I, I knew that it was, that it was a, a foam round. It was a, a, mm -hmm. a, a, but my instinct, the thing that happened automatically is that I turned and ran, just mm -hmm. like everybody else. It was almost right. like, 
you know, those wildlife, wildlife documentaries where, you know, kind of the whole herd all of a sudden, you know, go, jets out in one right. direction. Right. That's exactly what happened. And then when I um, turned a corner and, and saw that, you know, they were not the cops, the Long Beach Police Department wasn't shooting anymore. And that uh, and, and when it weren't coming toward us, I touched uh, the bottom of my neck and, uh, you know, it was bloody. And uh, luckily, you know, I went to the emergency room. Luckily, uh, there was no uh, significant damage to my trachea, my, my right. vocal cords, right, no right. internal damage. But I'll tell you, uh, Tim, that uh, that rattled me in, mm-hmm. in, in, in in mental ways quite a bit. And mm-hmm. and so um you know, I'm, I've, I've been working through that uh, mm-hmm. with help. And, um, but, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, a little over, uh, over a year now after it, um, it, was a, it was a very significant moment. And it was mm-hmm. a moment that I think, um, you know, I was blessed not to have significant injuries, um, but, uh, and, and it, it, was, it was kind of like, okay, that happened, now, now here's, here's the other part of your life. What are you going to do? Right. That's, that's what I was wondering the moment I saw images of you on social media, um, you know, because you were there on the scene. <clears throat> and my first thought was Adolfo, my friend, Adolfo as a family man, Adolfo, the poet, uh, there in the trenches of that kind of situation, uh, in, you know, in the trenches of the gut of America, what's going on. I wanted to know, not in that moment, but later on, I kind of was wondering, you know, I wonder how this will shape his life, uh, shape his purpose. Uh, and, and I guess, I, I, like, as you said, you know, it offered you a lot of room for reflection. Um, <clears throat> but do you feel like uh, your purpose has either been more fortified because of that or that it's shifted directions because of that? Yeah. Well, I'll say this, Tim, in hearing, and, you know, I have to thank you for, um, reflecting on me and 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 putting it into words words that i uh, words and phrases that i often do not find to describe my own lived experience so i'm i'm grateful to you for that um so so um one of the one of the deep experiences that came from that was the social media aftermath mm-hmm. so i pu- i had been posting photos of what I was seeing at that intersection mm-hmm. as, as, as news photos and descriptions and, and mm-hmm. text, right? The videos of, of not only the protesters and their signs, but also when, when people were breaking into stores and then the police reaction, I posted some of that. So posting a photo, a selfie of my bloody wound was, was, was natural. I had to do that yeah. because that, that, that was a news event that happened Absolutely. To, to me. The, yep. the, reactions afterward made me almost feel and the reactions i I have to say there were very few haters Mm -hmm. um there were some but many of the people who reacted said wow this is somebody who i've been listening to one woman said for most of my life Wow. And, th- and then I had to like do the math. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, are you in your thirties? Okay. Maybe since you're right. 10 or whatever. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so that all came, came out and the appreciations and uh, Tim, I almost, I, I felt in a way like I was listening to and experiencing my eulogy. Mm, wow. You know? 
and 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 to be in that position and be alive yeah i took it as a blessing i took it as a, a you know a like pat on the back of affirmation and i and i've got my own issues with you know kind of how i perceive myself sure, and, sure. And, and and self-confidence and that sort of thing and and so from you know that moment gave me a um that moment gave me a, a if I did, you know, it's not that I didn't have a, a sense of purpose and mission before, but it did give me a, a different, different feeling of purpose and mission, which I'm, I'm still exploring. I'm still, uh, and, and I, I, I want to say better, but it's not, I'm, it's not a better me. It's a different me. And I, and I'm happy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, and we're all happy that you, uh, well, we're all happy that you're around still providing not just obviously great poetry to the masses, but also the, the stories that you're reporting out in the Thank world. Um, yeah, in California, like I said, in California and beyond, you know, um, it's important work that you continue to do the investigations and the writing that you continue to do. Um, and, you know, we're all grateful for it. I know I, for one, am certainly am. Man, it's so quick how time goes by when you have great conversations with good friends, you know, but because uh, I wanted to get in some other things with you. But where can our listeners find more information about you or where, where can they listen to your, uh, you know, to your um, reports? Well, well, now it's uh, social media, right? So right. my handle on both Twitter and Instagram, which is which is pretty much where I, I post mm -hmm. either my uh, news stories for uh, public radio or even, you know, I've taken a Instagram as the place where I'll write, you know, three or four or five paragraphs prompted by a, by a photo or something. So my handle is at a Guzman Lopez, a Guzman Lopez. Okay. Uh, so at a Guzman Lopez. So, so yeah, look look for me there. And you know, I, I'll I'll say this about my public radio work. I'm I'm shifting to a a podcast, which. You know, when nice. when all is said and done, we'll we'll probably air in the fall of 2022. And the the general themes are are 1990 to 1994 Chicano student movement in California wow. Wow. and that sort of thing. So so keep nice. a, please keep an ear out. And I, I hope uh, I can come back and talk to you about it when it's uh, when it's finished. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have you back. Definitely. We'll talk about that and some other things you got going on. Adolfo, man, like always, it's been a pleasure talking with you, my friend. And, uh, you know, good luck with everything that you got going on. I am inspired by you, Tim. And I, and uh -huh. I, de todo corazón, um, your projects and your follow through and your, 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 your writing and the advocacy to tell our stories inspires me. So thank you for everything that you do. We'd like to thank our special guest today, Adolfo Guzman Lopez of the 90 Spoken Word Supergroup Taco Shop Poets. Be sure to follow all of his writing and his reports on Radio KPCC in Los Angeles and at the links that he provided. Also like to thank our producer, Sam Cassiano, and our podcast producer, Claudia Flores. That wraps it up for this edition of Words on a Wire. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here on KTEP 88.5 FM, your NPR station for the Southwest.